Well, thanks for being on the share chair, uh, Ashley Higgs. Cool. <laughs> I think I'm right about this, that you were just named to the all-state choir? Close. Qu um, so the what? state choir. So I... Uh, we have to go through regional auditions. We send in a tape of us singing a song, and then um, they choose from those, and they put you in the regional choir, and there are four different regional choirs all over the state. And um, I got chosen uh, to go into state honors choir. In order to get into state at the regional choir this past Saturday, it's a nine-and-a-half-hour rehearsal and a concert at the end. Wow. <laughs> yep, it's only a half-an-hour concert and you get a five minute audition and then that's it. And that audition also tells you whether you made it into all state, which is the stage after state. You have to sight read and then perform five, four pieces, I think? Four pieces. And it's yeah. five minutes. It's five minutes. The, um, one of them is called Unclouded Day, which is this bombastic, like crazy piece. There's Tundra, which is an Ola Yellow piece, which is beautiful. Jubilant Song, which is really rhythmic, and it was super hard to learn. We had to learn all those pieces on our own. Um, and then for state, we have to learn an additional, additional like three or four pieces. We get about a month and a half to learn them on our own, and then uh, in January, the 21st through the 23rd, I will go to DeVos, which is really convenient because yeah. it's super close. Mm -hmm. but. All of the people that made state, there are three choirs for state, SATB, which is girls and guys, SSAA, which is all girls, and then TTBB, which is all guys. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then they will, all those people that made it, will go to DeVos for a three-day conference, awesome. and it's the Michigan Vocal Music Arts something or other. And we'll have a three-day conference where we, we practice our pieces for about eight hours a day, and yeah. then... You come back the next day, and the next day, and then the last day you get to perform. And are you a soprano or an alto or? Uh, well, <laughs> before you answer that, I yeah, just was curious. No, it's okay. I uh, kind of sing all of them. Okay. I, in choir right now, I am a soprano one, which is the highest soprano you can be. Um, but I have also sung soprano two, alto one in choir, and then for state, oh my gosh, when I sent in my audition, I said the wrong number. So I was an alto two, which is the lowest no. alto part. I've done choir for a long time. It's been probably five years that I've been doing choir um, since intermediate school. And from the first day, I have ju I just fell in love with it. I mean, it is my passion, and it's where my heart is. When I was seven, I was diagnosed with Tourette's, OCD, anxiety, depression, all of it at once, um, and they. I, they first started trying to treat me with like medication and all of this treatment and I hated my psychologist and all of this it was really rough for a long time and then they also said well why don't you try music why don't you try getting into music and when I stepped into the choir room and I started like participating in choir and singing in a choir it, something just clicked. When I'm singing, I don't even think about any of that. You know, my Tourette's doesn't bother me, and um, my OCD is not even non-existent. Can you like expand a little bit on your yeah. disorders? Well, and, um, yeah, and for me, especially uh, an understanding, mm -hmm. which is the purpose of this podcast, <laughs> yeah. 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 of Tourette's, because mm -hmm. I, you know, my stereotype is something, and, yes. and yeah. which the truth is somewhere else. I mean. There are different levels of Tourette's. 
the IU do not have the highest level. The highest level is complete uncontrol of your body and its functions and there's motor, there are many different types. There's motor, there's physical, there's, uh, which is also like kinesthetic kind of, um, I mean there's mental, I have a lot of the mental ones. Those are what really drive me crazy. I used to have motor ones where I would like grunt all the time and it was weird and people would notice them a lot better more. The biggest stereotype is, you know, do you swear all the time? Because you hear about people with Tourette's, you know, swearing uncontrollably, mm -hmm. and that's not me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'll blink my eyes really hard, and sometimes I'll, like, crunch my neck. You know, it's, it's noticeable if you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had people ask, you know, are you winking at me? Because I'll close one eye. And mm -hmm. Mental games is what my first psychologist that I hated called them. And I, I didn't like that term at all because it made me sound crazy. Yeah. And they're just little like patterns that I have to do in my head. Um, it's like drawing dots and connecting them or um, grouping people. If I see like a room full of people, I'll have to connect them into like a pod of three and make sure that it's an even or odd number. Uh, my mind is a camera <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's like um, every time I blink my eyes, I'll taking a picture of that person or that thing and that stays with me. And it's, if I don't like that picture, then I have to blow air out of my mouth as if I'm deleting the picture. Uh -huh just having that constant, do I like that thing or do I not like that thing? Putting those groups, it, it's very exhausting. Mm -hmm. I'll have days where I get home from school and I'm just done. <laughs> My family has always been really supportive of me and you know, whatever you need to fix what you have, we'll, we'll try it. Um, we've tried medication, like I said, therapy and all these different things. and. Um, none of it really worked. I think music was a big part of yeah. what helped me accept, you know, that it's a part of me. And just when the chords click and something, just it just, you know, it makes my heart really happy. So that confidence and that kind of, like, drive, I guess, is really obvious and clear in you. And, and one of the ways that you express that leadership, I think, is in the... Um, LGBTQ group, mm -hmm. yep. right? You know, last year I joined the group um, under Katie Slagis and Connor Kippy was mm -hmm. kind of involved in uh, Finn O'Keefe. I saw the change that they were trying to implement and I said, you know, you need more people if you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. So I joined the group and this year I've kind of taken a little initiative in charge. Just the awareness and the I, the aspect of equality is so pivotal in our school. We need something like that in our school. There's a lot of n not knowing. If the, the things that you are afraid of are the things that you don't have knowledge about. Mm -hmm. And it'll just become normal. I mean, it, it really deserves to be normal because it is a normal thing. Once a, once a month on a Thursday, the second Thursday of the month, we do a book talk. And it's kind of, Mrs. Draeger comes in and we have cookies, my dad makes the cookies, and we um, 
Mrs. Drager reads like a chapter or two of the book with the genre of LGBTQ. We meet once a month, or uh, every Thursday, no, once, every Thursday we meet. And then um, we are hoping this Thursday also to put together something really quickly because this Thursday's Human Rights Day. We put sticky notes all over the school with different human rights symbols and words and just, you know, words of acceptance. Uh, we're also trying to plan a movie showing. We respond not only emotionally but um, outwardly to when people who don't know about, like they don't, you know, understand it because they're sort of afraid of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, LGBTQ and equality, mm -hmm. any sort of it, whether it be with women or LGBTQ. Yeah. How do you respond to that? Well, the best way, I always try to be unbiased. I try mm -hmm. to recognize the fact that they have their opinions for reasons. So I try to acknowledge that and relate to them and then talk to them and, and try to get them to see how I see it. Not mm -hmm. that my opinion is always right because obviously it's not, <laughs> but the opinion of acceptance should always be right. Is there a specific moment or a specific time or experience? I was young when, that I remember my um, my second aunt or second cousin or you know one of my relatives was getting married and she was gay and she was having her wedding and her save the dates came out and I remember my aunt was sitting at the counter with my mom and my mom asked if what her opinion what my aunt's opinion was on the whole thing and she said that relationships like that never work out and I remember thinking you know why relationships like what why why is that any different i strived for yeah. you know the very best for people i wanted to to make sure everyone was comfortable but uncomfortable in the way that they're pushing their their limits and what they really know and but i want people who have never been accepted to feel loved and i want there to be that ambiance of acceptance around uh, thanks, Ashley, yeah, for being on the share Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Share Chair. Stay tuned next week for a new one. Also, check us out on Facebook and Twitter for regular updates at The Share Chair. And if you're interested in having a piece of your writing or an experience shared on the podcast, contact Elise McGannon at 203 505 at springlakestudents.org.